What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Hi-Fi Hour. My name is Mike, and I am here today with a special guest, Carrie Geist from KLH. How are you doing today, Carrie? Doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. It's a pleasure to be talking with you, uh, mainly because I I grew up in the 80s and I know who KLH is. A lot right. of people that are growing up in this day and age, you may say KLH, like, what, who's that? And that bugs me for for a few reasons, because KLH has had some huge accolades in their um, in their in their experience as, as, a, as a speaker maker, as a, you know, electronics company. So um, we're going to get into all that here in a little bit, but I want to get to know you first. So okay. you spent you've been with KLH about two years, right? Yeah, a little less than two years. Yes. And before that, you were a Eclipse man. Uh, that's correct. 30, 32 years. 32 years Eclipse. So you probably know a good buddy of mine, uh, Mr. Mr. Mark Cassavant. Uh, yes, I do. I've known, yeah. uh, I've known Mark, um, gosh, uh, over 30 years. He is an amazing guy, isn't he? <laughs> well, some people say that. <laughs> I'm not sure I go that far. but I, I, I get along really well with him. But, uh, we're great. We're great friends. And, you know, that's sometimes we kid each other and that's just how we get along. He's a really good guy and he knows his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope probably get a kick out of seeing you and I talk as well. He's done one of these with me as well. So, okay. um, you're, you're in, you're in good company. You know? <laughs> so, um, it's cool that you came from Klipsch because uh, Klipsch and KLH share uh, a couple commonalities, which is, uh, just quality classic American made speakers, you know? Right. Um, so how did how was that transition for you? And what what were you were you an engineer at Klipsch as well? Uh, yes. Well, my background's engineering, really kind of engineering slash product development. Okay. Over thirty two years at one company, you know, you find yourself kind of in a variety of, of areas. You know, mm -hmm. so not only engineering and product development at one time, I was in charge of some manufacturing and things like that. So. You know, that was back when, you know, everything in the in the speaker industry was actually built in the United States, which, you know, is, is, isn't so much anymore. But as we all know, um, but yeah, my background is primarily I kind of feel more comfortable in the engineering role. Um, but also uh, I like the product side as well, kind of figuring out um, what kind of products um, are right for the market and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, you were kind of asking kind of the similarity. It is kind of, kind of weird, uh, uh, in, in some sense, just, uh, just because going from a, you know, with, uh, from a company that had a heritage like Klipsch from, I think it started in 1946, mm -hmm. uh, to a company like KLH, which I believe started in about 1958. Um, and of course, you know, is, is still a very, very popular brand today, but KLH was extremely popular, uh, much more so than Clips really back in the day. And I think one time I understood that uh, KLH employed as many as 500 people. I mean, you can just think about that. Uh, they were they were actually considered the, I did my homework, and they yeah. were actually considered the largest speaker company in the world. At one right? point. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I, I Wikipedia, but uh, <laughs> I um, I was really surprised to hear that, you know, right. because you you think of speaker companies, a lot of people think of Klipsch, a lot of people think of, you know, Martin Logan and and Bowers and Wilkins, stuff like that. 
Um, People, you know, it's funny because I came across how I found you or how I found KLH, KLH's relevance again was actually through social media, through Instagram. Uh, Uh, And I stumbled upon one of the posts (laughs) of of one of your new products that we'll talk about here in a little bit. And I was, I was like, wow, that's a, it's a cool classic looking speaker. What's going on here? And I'm like, KLH, I'm like, KLH, I, the last thing I saw at KLH was at a thrift store, you know, and right. it, it was not, not to, not, I mean, not to definitely um, play down the company, but it just hadn't been in people's minds and, and peripheral in a very long time. Absolutely. Um, do they make a quality product? Absolutely. I think anything KLH I've ever owned has been has been great. Um, however, they have they have been out of the the limelight for a while, right? Um, and a lot of things people another thing people might not know about KLH is that when you think of electrostatic speakers, you think of Martin Logan. Martin Logan right. has made a huge a lot of money off of electrostatic speakers. However, right. KLH built the first full range electrostatic speaker. These are things that a lot of people don't realize that KLH is one of the like forefathers of hi-fi audio in, in in this country. Right. And I am so glad that they're making a comeback. Yeah. Now, yeah the, the Model 9 is such an interesting product because you're right. And it's still kind of held in really high esteem, you know, even today. Uh, we have a few pair of the original products ourselves um, at the office. And it's still a really, really good sounding competitive loudspeaker. Um, so, you know, it just kind of just kind of reminds us every once in a while that, you know, um, while we don't have as nearly as good, you know, measurement tools and know as much about the technology and everything available to us today, a lot of that didn't ex- uh, exist back then. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, people still managed to sound, uh, uh, design some really incredible sounding loudspeakers. Yeah. I, I was so impressed when I read that. I was like, because like I said, when I think of electrostats, I think of Logan, you know, I think of companies like that. And just knowing that KLH was the first one to do it, uh, I'm like, okay, all right, this is this is pretty cool. So um, are you more in a engineering? You're the chief engineer now for KLH. Uh, are yeah, you doing okay. a lot of product development as well? Do you have your hands in that? Yes. I mean, uh, KLH is a, is a relatively small company, so uh, which is really kind of one of the things I really enjoy about it. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, you're not doing the same thing day in and day out. So, yeah, I do uh, a lot of the engineering, although I do have uh, a kind of a partner in crime in that respect. And then I'm also accountable for doing um, uh, some of the product research um, and uh, kind of roadmaps and just product development stuff in general. Okay. Um, now when you came on, uh, did you kind of look at their history and go, okay, I, I like this, but we can kind of take that, blend it with the technology of today and move forward with the product mix? Uh, well, absolutely. Um, however, it wasn't one of those things I, I can honestly say immediately struck me that way. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm, I, I just like loudspeakers. Uh, I've always been that way. I, I mean, really, if you really dug into my history, you know, I was into loudspeakers as a lot of us were, you know, um, um, before I joined Klipsch, when I was in college, when I was in high school, I was really 
uh, I really like, uh, really enjoyed loudspeakers and anything kind of audio electronics. Um, uh, so I just uh, have become a fan of loudspeakers in general, and then just all the different ways uh, that loudspeakers are designed and what comes from that are the advantages or disadvantages that kind of emanate out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, a lot of them are, are very well known, but a lot of them are also very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that always intrigues me a little bit. So I guess to your point, you know, um, I worked for 32 years for our, uh, a loudspeaker company that primarily designed horn loudspeakers. Right. And, you know, going to KLH, um, you know, they tended to be a company that focused really largely on um, conventional direct radiator type of loudspeakers. Of course, you mentioned the Model 9, which is electrostatic. But for the most part, uh, they were direct radiator loudspeakers. And then more specifically, uh, acoustic suspension designs, um, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into in a minute because uh, I think, you know, we, we're going to talk about the Model 5, which specifically is uh, acoustic suspension, but you just don't see a lot of that today. And right. so kind of going back to your original point, that was kind of one of the original things that kind of intrigued me, intrigued me about the KLH uh, that kind of slowly kind of evolved with me over time was that, um, you know, here was this um, kind of technology that kind of was originated back in the 50s and 60s and really dominated the industry back during that time. But then it kind of kind of uh, disappeared in favor of kind of more traditional base reflex designs that we see today. Hmm. And it's not that some people aren't out there doing acoustic suspension, for example, but they're really few and far between. I mean, they're just, uh, they're pretty rare. Uh, so that was kind of one of the things that kind of intrigued me because that was one of the things when I first got into the industry, uh, there were still some of those out there. I can still remember a really good friend of mine having some really early Boston acoustic speakers, which, you know, they were kind of a, 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 um, a brand that kind of came out of that whole acoustic research advent KLH kind of genre of uh, brands that existed back then. And I remember my buddy of mine had these loudspeakers of acoustic suspension, and they just sounded great. Uh, so um, it was—it's a technology um, again that I, I just kind of, I kind of gravitated towards once I kind of came to KLH because it can again it kind of comes back to um, the advantages and disadvantages on all loudspeaker designs. But you kind of look at a particular technology. And you go, okay, yeah, I know what the advantages of there, uh, the advantages of that are. And, um, you know, and with today's technology, um, uh, I think it really um, uh, improves upon that in a way that maybe some other designs that are out there, maybe not, not so much. Okay. So. Now, for our audience at home that may not know what acoustic suspension is, can you kind of describe it um, to, to, to the public that wouldn't really understand it? Uh, sure. Uh-huh. Uh, well, uh, just kind of just go back with the history just a little bit. Um, it was uh, designed, 
It was designed and patented by uh, Edgar Vilcher. Uh, I think it's back in about 1954. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a fairly simple uh, concept. But basically, um, uh, a loudspeaker is pretty much uh, uh, this mechanical system that um, has resistance to movement. And when you put that in a loudspeaker enclosure, that's a closed box, the air that forms in the volume behind the loudspeaker, that's also a resistance and it kind of forms an air spring. And really the, 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 the way um, uh, uh, loudspeakers were designed back then, they had really tight suspensions and they put them in very large enclosures. So the point there is that that mechanical system is basically called the compliance of the loudspeaker. Um, it was very stiff and it didn't move. Uh, and that really uh, uh, restricted your low frequency performance of the loudspeaker. Right. He was kind of the first person to kind of come along and say, no, we, should, we need to reverse that. We need to make the mechanical suspension of the loudspeaker very loose. But really, it's just kind of floppy. Right. And then put it into a sealed enclosure that's airtight, and that provides kind of the springiness or air resistance or restoring force to the loudspeaker cone. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you can actually get some low frequency extension, um, uh, uh, surprisingly good low frequency I- extension compared to kind of these typical, the, these more traditional stiff designs. Um, and basically what happens as a result of that is mechanical stiff, the, the mechanical stiffness by the transducer, it tends to be more nonlinear than the air trapped in the, uh, in the enclosure itself. Hmm. And because of that, you're actually in a traditional closed box acoustic suspension loudspeaker the loudspeaker tends to be a little more linear than it would otherwise. Uh, so that was kind of the, the idea behind it. And just plus the fact, and I think this was probably uh, the advantage that may have not been completely uh, foreseen, was just the simple fact that you could make the loudspeaker smaller and still have really good bass response because, of course, everybody wanted, you know, a loudspeaker that wasn't the size of a refrigerator. Uh, and, you know, and of course, they introduced that product back in the mid 50s. Um, I don't know how the sales growth excelled, but at some point by the 60s and early 60s, acoustic suspension really was the dominant uh, technology uh, in the industry. Um, uh, um, probably throughout the '60s and well into the early '70s. Um, I would yeah, because bass <clears throat> reflex, if I'm if I'm thinking correctly, didn't really start making its way uh, into in, into design until probably what mid late '80s, right? Um, I well, I would say it it, it always existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it wasn't particularly well understood, and and what, and, and what I mean by that. It wasn't an easy. Um, it wasn't easy to design because it wasn't well understood, and because of that, you know, 
a lot of problems in terms of alignment and things like that resulted. Mm -hmm. uh, but people were doing it, uh, you know, literally back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Um, but like I said, it wasn't particularly well understood until really about the late 60s mm -hmm. um, when the literature started coming out that says, here's what's going on here. If you want to do it properly, here's how you have to do it. And of course, once people began to understand it and started getting it right, um, you know, it was, it, 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 you know, it was off to the races because uh, it does have certain advantages that acoustic suspension uh, uh, doesn't. Uh, it also has, of course, like I said earlier, it does have some, some disadvantages. Um, so, but it, of course it became very popular and, you know, by, to your point, you know, by the mid eighties, probably there were not very many acoustic suspension systems that I was aware of. And the, the industry had moved almost completely, uh, to base reflex. Right. Because I, I mean, I grew up in the eighties and I, um, yeah, acoustic suspension, I, I'm aware of it now. I mean, I, I know what it is now, but back then it was all base reflex stuff. You know, it, it wasn't, right. you know, it was the eighties kind of, I don't want to say they, they ruined it, but they, the eighties was a very, very bassy time period. You know, everybody loved their bass. They loved full range, you know, yeah. they really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, in the nineties, I don't know. I don't know what happened there either, but I, you know, you, you've been in this business a long time. You must've started when you were a kid, probably right out of college, right? Oh yeah, that was yeah. Clips was my first job right out of college. I graduated. Incredible. That is incredible. So you saw the evolution of Clips, which is which is great. You know, you yeah. saw them really evolve into who they are today. Mm -hmm. And um, and I I enjoy their products. I think they're they're very unique. I think uh, the you know the copper drivers, the horn the horns, you know tweeters. It's got a very particular sound. If that makes sense, it's 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 something that people will either love or, or not really, not really for them kind of thing, you know, but the people that love it will, will, will stand by it, you know? No, that's absolutely correct. I mean, there is a, you know, there's just the, the, the an artistic side to loudspeaker design, you know, the, the, the perfect loudspeaker doesn't exist. Even if it, nobody can even really define what a loudspeaker should be. I mean, it's sure. impossible. Um, uh, you, you know, a, a pair of stereo loudspeaker, it can't even possibly recreate a three-dimensional sound field. It just simply can't be done, not with two loudspeakers. Right. So, you know, with that, you know, what is a good-sounding loudspeaker? There's, there's just simply an artistic side aspect to that that has to be addressed. And, you know, and over the last, you know, 70 you know, years of loudspeaker design, I think, every possible manifestation <laughs> of what a loudspeaker could be has been tried. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Some of them have been successful and a lot of them not. So I got a question, a personal question. Um, are you a, a stand mount guy or a floor stander guy? I'm a floor stander guy. Absolutely. Okay. So you like that full range sound then? Yes. Um, I dig it. I dig it. I, okay. I, I see. I kind of dance on both sides because I like using a subwoofer in my environment. So mm -hmm. I could do stand mounts if they're 
if they're good enough, you know. Yep. yep. That's it. But uh, for example, the RP six hundred M's by by Klipsch, uh, great great stand mounts. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I definitely use a, a subwoofer with that. Um, however, you know, there's no okay. So a lot of people give me a lot of flack for this nowadays in the year two of twenty twenty one. Is that I tell them. I used to run a couple of vintage, I think they were vintage techniques, you know, floor standards from the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I told them I didn't need a subwoofer because we're, we're, they, were, they were rocking either, I think, 12 or 15 inch, uh, you know, woofers with, okay. you know, they, they were huge, humongous. They were insanely big and super mm-hmm. heavy, but they sounded so good and they had really nice tactile bass. Mm-hmm. And, and people think I'm crazy. They're like, "No, you didn't use a subwoofer with." No, of course not. You don't. You don't need a subwoofer with a proper full range floor standing speaker. You know, right. you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, so let's get back to KLH. KLH was purchased in 2017, and I think you joined a little bit after that. Um, are they? Is is this a, a move to kind of redesign and reinvent themselves by bringing in fresh? Fresh perspectives. Um, I think that's probably a fair thing to say. You know, uh, Dave Kelly, which he of course also was a um, a long time um, uh, executive at Klipsch. I think he was probably a twenty five year veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he he when he left Klipsch, he um, uh, purchased the KLH brand. He and I go uh, go back a long way. Um, uh, I think uh, his his vision was to kind of recreate, you know, the brand, but also, you know, play uh, pay some homage to the history of the brand as well. Um, I can still kind of remember some of the when I was talking to him about coming on, um, he, we were having some of those conversations, and, I, and some of those conversations centered around the Model Nine. I might add. Hmm. Um, about, you know, what we can do and how we could do that. And, you know, with my kind of background, you know, that's the sort of conversations I like to hear. Again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a loudspeaker guy. So anything that's kind of different, uh, it, you know, um, I'm kind of interested in because I want to understand, uh, you know, I kind of want to understand how it, how it works, how it measures, you know, how you perceive it, that sort of thing. Absolutely. It's exciting because so that means both of you had that heritage, uh, you know, feeling from from Klipsch. Um, I guess where I'm getting at is I'm glad a, a random Chinese company didn't purchase KLH. You feel me? Yep. So it's cool that your buddy, like, I wish I had a buddy that purchased a big speaker company because I'd be like, <laughs> you know, bring me on. But uh, but yeah, it's cool that your buddy, you know, did that venture and now has this piece of of audio hi-fi history right owns it you know yeah. and that's got to feel good and you come on and now you guys have just um i guess announced the the model five right. again because yes. i know model five was a thing back in the day yeah and when i saw it when i first saw it and this is a speaker we were talking about earlier in the conversation when i first saw it online i was like wow that's a beautifully maintained vintage speaker that's what that was my first thought when i saw a picture of it i'm like that someone took really good care of that 
And then I look closer and I'm like, no, that's a brand new speaker. And JBL recently did uh, something similar with their, I think their L100s. Yes, that's correct. L100, I think now an L82. Right. And I actually got a chance. I was randomly at Magnolia uh, in Best Buy uh, a couple months ago, and they had a pair there. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of surprised that they would have a pair of that there. But um, not as big as I thought they were going to be. I I don't know. Maybe I, and then I also had a chance to see him at CD as well. So I've yeah. seen him twice now. Um, I like how they brought those aesthetics from the past to the present. And that's exactly what you guys did with the, the Model 5. Yes. You, it, it's a classic, beautiful cabinet, very clean, no, no, no frills, no, no crazy stuff, just a clean, nice looking speaker. Yes. I mean, it's, um, you know, there's kind of, I'm thinking kind of two things. One is it has kind of that classic iconic KLH styling, mm-hmm. right? And then two, you know, there's been a lot of that kind of mid-century modern design that mm-hmm. you see everywhere today. And it really fits well into that. Uh, so, you know, we intentionally went away from tr- traditional black grills, black, black grill cloth. You know, I just I hope, you know, it'd be right fine with me if I never saw black grill cloth again. Um, yeah, but my, I hide my black grill cloth. <laughs> <laughs> but my, well, it just kind of comes from me. It's just, you know, it, it's 98% of the loudspeakers that are out there. Correct. And it's yeah. a lot, and it's a lot about the, uh, uh, it's a dominant part of the, of your visual impression of the loudspeaker. Um, I, I don't like. I personally don't like grills. I, no, I no, well, I'm with you on that. I can't yeah. stand them. But the dust, though, the dust. God, yeah. the dust. You know, you got to constantly be be you know wiping it down and everything. But yeah, ideally, I, I run. There's been one speaker in particular by a, a company called Dolly, and mm-hmm. they actually tune their speaker with the grill on, like to make to to. The grill's supposed to live on the speaker, which is kind of frustrating because there's such yeah. a beautiful speaker underneath. Yeah. But aside from that, I think I think I like the way I don't know if this is crazy, if this is just me like creating things in my head, but I think a speaker sounds better with the grill off. I don't know. Maybe well, that's just- uh, I would agree with you that um it, certainly you, you, you would be better off in the long run designing a loudspeaker with the grill off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, as we both know, that's typically not an acceptable um, um, visually um, in a lot of cases as we would like, you know. Yeah. Um, it, typically where these are placed, people are just going to prefer going to prefer grill cloth. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of... Um, uh, you know, we have to, we have to be very practically minded, I guess you would say, and kind of play to that, uh, if you will. But yeah, if, you're absolutely right. If I had my preference, I'd probably do it without the cloth. And by the way, it's not necessarily just the cloth itself. There's the cloth itself provides some attenuation and sound, and it's primarily at high frequencies, I might add. But you also have now this frame that you have to place in front of that loudspeaker and that causes some diffraction effects and things like that as well. Right. That can cause some problems. So there's nothing that can't be designed around and designed around very well. It's just, 
it's still something you just have to deal with in, in, in the design itself. Now the grills on the, well, like the cabinet itself, it looked like a kind of a lighter walnut kind of color, light, like a light mm-hmm. you know, wood. It's, um, a, it's actually a mahogany. Uh, mahogany. mahogany. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and post a, a picture right here uh, at this point where you guys, okay. everybody can see a picture of the, of the uh, model fives. Uh, I first saw them with the grill off and that's what, what caught my eye. Um, okay. It was a post on Instagram with the grill off. And I was like, wow, that is a, cool speaker you know because it reminded me of it actually it had more of a 70s feel but it reminded me of you know hi-fi in the 80s where right. you you know sit down you know put put your t- cassette tape in or put your vinyl on and and just hang out on that shag carpet and listen to music and <laughs> oh those were the days and i was just a little kid but i was lucky enough to have a brother that was 10 years older so He's the one that kind of sucked me into hi-fi, right. and he had a he had a long career in uh, in hi-fi as well. So, um, which yeah. was cool, which was cool to have you know uh, you know that foundation, you know, because <clears throat> I'm kind of like you. I, I'm a fan of loudspeakers. Uh, I like. I mean, amplifiers are great, and all that mm-hmm. other stuff is cool. It, it's it's the all that stuff is the conduit to my loudspeaker. You know, it's it, it it's yeah. yeah. I'm a speaker guy. You know, when I go to yeah. when I go to the thrift store, what do I do first? What what, what speakers they got? What speakers do they yeah. have? You know, so I I run and see what's going on. Or even when I go to an electronics store, let's see what the new speakers are doing. You know, which nowadays, um, I think speakers are getting uglier and uglier and uglier because they're they're making them thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner to the point where I can just smack it and it'll like fall oh. over. Well, yeah, I mean, well, you're absolutely right. This, the, the narrower and narrower and narrower, uh, you know, concept, you know, that's been around here. That's been around for probably a good 30 years now. Yeah. Uh, it's been more, more prominently now. Like it's many more like, like the, like the model fives. I don't see that kind of style as much. Right. And, and part of that, um, uh, well, part of that is, really intentional on our part mm-hmm. um, to your point I like wider baffle designs um, one of the things about narrow baffle designs that are popular today is they don't do a very good control um, controlling dispersion of the loudspeaker the right. baffle is just so narrow wider baffles actually do a great job of keeping the sound in front of them so you're not exciting the back walls and things like that so you'll actually see a lot more wider baffle designs from KLH in the future. That's kind of one of the design philosophies that we've taken to heart, at least in some of our higher end product uh, in the, our uh, higher end product designs. Now I do know you guys have a line of speakers that are more home theater, uh, mm-hmm. kind of geared towards home theater. Yes, and. Um, those look pretty cool. They have cool looking drivers, good design. Um, they look like quality, you know? Um, so are you guys going to be doing a complete overhaul and, and, and complete redesign on all your product mix? Or are you guys going to kind of take what you got right now and just continue to improve and continue to evolve? Uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of build on the product lines the way they exist today. Okay. So we tend, so we have to have what I would consider to be a, a tradition, a more traditional 
uh, box light allowed speakers, floor standing bookshelves, center channels, uh, powered subwoofers, and all that that um, have you know very nice feature sets. Um, some of them uh, are you know do utilize genuine wood veneers. Um, they are uh, many of them are designed around a three way design concept. Um, cast housings a lot of premium features, at least in the upper part of the line. And then, of course, as price becomes um, uh, more, as we move down in price, uh, we concede some of those some of those features in order, like everyone else, in order to hit some price points. Mm -hmm. um, so, but their product line that is, you know, along the line of a lot of, a lot of the traditional uh, product families that are out there today by, you know, you know, uh, you know, most of the brands that are, that are, that are building loudspeakers today. Um, on the higher end, more traditional stereo um, side of the loudspeaker uh, side of the industry, you know, we're kind of looking to go to some more, um, more back to our heritage uh, because I feel um, a lot of that is still pertinent today. And it's kind of like as we were talking earlier, a lot of the technology in measuring loudspeakers and the understanding and everything that kind of goes behind how they work, I actually think it works in the favor of, of some of the, the designs uh, you know, some of the older designs that KLH did and acoustic research and some of those others. Um, I think it applies very well. I think it actually applies more to say an acoustic suspension design than it does, for example, a bass reflex. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of really kind of wanting to explore that a little more and to kind of see, the, um, you know, where that all leads. You know, this is, like I said, it's kind of been a little bit of a slow kind of understanding for me as well, because, you know, keep in mind, um, direct radiator loudspeakers and sealed enclosures weren't necessarily what I was doing in my former life. Right. Um, but like I said, I, I, you know, once I kind of got into it and again, you kind of begin to realize what its strengths are, you begin to realize, oh, oh my gosh, what we can do now is this and what we can do here over here is, is, is we can take advantage of this. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of, you kind of see, begin to see kind of it all pulls together. And the Model 5 is kind of really the first example of that, but we currently have some clear uh, product plans uh, developed uh, kind of new, newer concepts um, uh, uh, in the future. I'm excited because I, <clears throat> I feel that you guys are sticking with your roots and, mm -hmm. and uh, the fact that you, like I said, the fact that you did come from, uh, uh, you and the, the, the owner came from um, Klipsch mm -hmm. shows that you guys, you know, this is American made, American made, uh, you know, absolute, you know, tradition. That's just exciting to me, you know, because a lot of the Euro European companies do it, do it their way, but Americans have their own way of doing um, loudspeakers, you know, and, and I think that there's not many companies left that are, that are still stateside, you know? Oh, right. Yeah. So, um, so going forward, um, we've talked about so much already. Uh, 
any new innovations or anything anything other than obviously I, I know the the model five is a huge thing but is there something in the works to kind of complement that already kind of being talked about or maybe even in production no well uh not in production uh but yes we are uh constantly or we are in current development uh looking at a couple of other um, product designs, neither one have been given final approval yet. Mm-hmm. We're kind of far enough along that um, the, they're starting to look pretty good uh, in that realm. So, um, you, you know, I, I, I'm probably going out on a limb here if I said, you know, we'd probably look to launch something next fall. Oh, wow. That, okay. Um, um, but certainly that is, um, that would probably be our a desire at this point. Um, kind of off the loudspeaker side for a moment, um, you know, we are in the headphone side of the business as mm-hmm. well. And we had an interesting product um, that uh, was launched into the market uh, only a couple of months ago. And it seems to be uh, doing really uh, doing really well so far. And it has some kind of interesting technology uh, that you don't see out there very much. So we're, we're Are very you talking about the, the in-ear or the over-ear headphones? Uh, the in-ear, the Fusion, at, okay. at about, I think, a, little, a couple of months ago. Uh, and it has, of course, of course, the voice recognition technology. The earbuds recognize, I believe, nine commands. Uh, answer, you can answer your phone. Um, uh, volume up, volume down, next track, that sort of stuff. And it doesn't use a wake word or anything like that. So it's not like, hey, Siri, it's, uh, it is uh, on the loudspeaker itself. Did, did you just activate her? <laughs> <laughs> so it does, I guess my point is it has native voice control. Awesome. On, awesome. The, on the earbud itself. And it works extremely well. Uh, I might add. So I've been really surprised at how well it actually works. So we're pretty excited about that as well. Well, that sounds really exciting that, that, you know, headphones is something that people are getting back into, especially in, uh, you know, in ear headphones. There's a, it's a huge, you know, subculture out there, the head right. subculture that I'm now discovering and kind of getting into. So I'm excited to see, cause that, that's, that technology sounds really, really cool and really intuitive, you know? Right. Yeah. So uh, you guys kind of have your your hands in a lot of different areas, which is great. Um, any any plans to do any type of components or amplification or anything like that for future future products? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't go that far, but probably. And this is really horizon stuff on the horizon sort of stuff. I, we haven't really gotten any deep dives into this sort of stuff, but really probably incorporating some powered electronics in the loudspeaker itself. Oh, so like powered bookshelves, powered stuff like that. Yes, absolutely. And those are, those are becoming more and more and more popular. Yeah. Um, you know, ever since I know Klipsch uh, released the, their, 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 their fives, you know, the fives oh. over at Klipsch. I, I've actually had a chance to review those. Oh, okay. um, they sent those out to me for review and, and I was, I was impressed with the bass response they got out of a four and a half inch, you know, woofer. That's that's pretty yeah. pretty cool. And I'm sure you uh, you were probably around there for that time to to have your uh, <laughs> your hand in that. But uh, more on the 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 KLH fives. I or the five the model five. 
who would be the best um, consumer for that? Would it be someone that's more into music or could these be actually integrated into like a home theater? What do you, what do you think? Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a home theater product, not because it's not a home theater product. It's just, um, you know, we don't have the dedicated surrounds. Mm. Uh, example, you could use technically, of course, you could use a model five as a center channel, which it's a matching center channel. So that would be the kind of the best, uh, solution. Uh, I'm not sure I would go so far as to say I would rec- recommend it for that particular application. I think there's probably a derivative product that probably will come out of the Model 5 at some point, someday, uh, that would probably geared towards a, um, a theater application. Okay. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, it's probably not going to be anytime soon. Um, so, in my opinion, it's really a classic two-channel consumer. Um uh, um, I think the way the Model 5 kind of departs from other, at least floor-standing loudspeakers, is um, loudspeakers, particularly most contemporary floor-standing loudspeakers, they can kind of be kind of intrusive mm-hmm. um, in your living room or wherever they're typically placed. I mean, they're pretty big. Um, and um, the Model 5, the enclosure itself... I think it's a it's less than two cubic feet in volume. I mean, they're really not that big, and we haven't really talked about this. But the Model Five also comes with its own stand. Um, oh wow! Okay. So, so the loudspeaker is actually, when placed on the stand, um, it kind of floats the loudspeaker up, you know, about nine or ten inches off the floor, and it it doesn't. To me, at least, it doesn't look uh, in, so intrusive, and mm-hmm. I think, particularly with 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 you know, kind of the younger generation today, living in t- more likely to live in apartments and things like that. Um, I think a product like that probably has a um, uh, a much more acceptance at least into the traditional living room space right uh, and, and and i think that is going to find some popularity um with the younger generation but at the same time i wouldn't underestimate the power of you know i truly believe acoustic suspension i mean it is one of the best loudspeaker designs in terms of just pure uh, accuracy. And there's a reason why I, I say that. Base reflex systems, while they're great systems, they have a lot of advantages. Um, you do, you are kind of compromising the integrity of the base re- performance. And the reason I say that is because a base reflex system has a tuning frequency. And at that tuning frequency, uh, it has very good output, very good clean output. But it does that at the expense of everything that's below that in frequency. Hmm. It really goes, the the performance goes away very quickly and it's very, um, uh, becomes very nonlinear. And, you know, here's the thing that you kind of have to keep in mind, Mike. Um, Music program material, it it doesn't stop at 40 hertz. If there's Hmm. program music material at 30 hertz or 20 hertz or whatever, it just keeps going. 
It doesn't know what the cutoff of a loudspeaker is. Uh, and kind of kind of going back to your point earlier about the 80s, mm -hmm. well, you did get a lot of bass. There was a lot of bass performance in the, in the kind of 80s and 90s recordings, let's say. Yeah. But the most of it was primarily above 40 hertz. Right. You weren't getting any, much, anything much less than about 50 hertz off of any cassette. <laughs> right. Or, or really vinyl, for that matter. Um, uh, the technology just really wasn't that good. But that's not that's not the case today. Mm -mm. Um, um, artists are using that bandwidth down there and using it very well. You know, I don't know some of the artists that you listen to, but uh, you know, you listen to something like Billie Eilish, for example. Um, you know, it's funny. You, you, it's funny you just said that because when you mentioned that, when you mentioned right. you artist, she's the first one that popped in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, so that's it, yeah. Billie Eilish has some songs that really dig deep. They really yeah. go really deep. And one of the points I would make is an acoustic suspension design, the transient characteristics and the cleanness of the system and the way it's designed will do that a much, much more good than a traditional bass reflex design will, interestingly enough. Oh, I'm gonna have to oh, I'm gonna have to kind of <laughs> get I'm gonna have to come into your world for a little bit and, and see what's going on because come on in. <clears throat> that sounds fantastic. Well, now for the people that are interested in buying one. Uh, and I'm sure after our conversation, people are going to be super intrigued. Yeah. Um, I know I am. Uh, what's the what's the price point right now? Because I know prices change constantly in this industry, you know, especially around Christmas and everything. But uh, what is the price point at this point in time for the the Model Five? MSRP is two thousand dollars a pair. Super fair, right? Super fair. Yep. I, I think. I mean, your your competitors are doing it for for double the price, you know. And I think that you guys have put a lot of work and time and effort into it. And it's a, I think it's, it looks like a quality product, you know? So, you know, that's again, is kind of another part of, you know, KLH's legacy. It was always offered a quality product um, at a really affordable price. Right. And that was just kind of one of the things that we tried to carry forward with the model five. Right. Um, yeah. I, I feel that, that that's a good business model to have because that's a great way to get people not only in the door, but keep them in the family, you know, yes. um, once they own a KLH product and they're like, wow, this is really good. Most people stick around, you know, most people are, are a lot of people in this industry are loyal to their brand. Yes. Um, I, I know my roommate is, is, is the perfect example of this because everything he owns is, is Bowers and Wilkins, everything. <laughs> Every, from his computer setup to his home theater to his two channel setup upstairs, everything. You see, I'm I'm I, I'm in the review business, so I'm constantly changing what what is coming in and out of my system. So I I couldn't tell you that there's one brand that I'm super loyal to because I, there's a lot of brands I enjoy because a lot of brands have different characteristics. You know, right. okay. uh, just like when you when you listen to a clip speaker. Um, and I know Mark has been trying to get me to listen to the, uh, I don't know if it was the Cornwalls or the Heresies, one of the two. He, he wanted me to listen to to one of their one of their you know premier speakers, and he's like, Mike, you'll never you know you'll never want to listen to another speaker again. But I'm I'm so I have speaker ADD. That's never true though. <laughs> I have speaker yeah I have speaker ADD. I, I have to experience because they're they're different. You know every company does it differently. Yeah. 
And um, and I'm super glad KLH is back in the game and swinging for the fences because, uh, like I said, it, it, it to, for me it felt like they kind of over the last 10, 15 years they kind of they, they they were still around but they weren't at the tip of the tongue. You know, they weren't at, oh, they weren't yeah. in conversation. You know, but I don't. I, I didn't know. I honestly didn't even know they were they were still in business. Right. Uh, you know five or 10 years ago. I, I just didn't. And, you know, even when, um, uh, e- even going back to when I started at Klipsch, mm-hmm. I was aware of them, but you know, the, the, their star had already passed a little bit. I, I, I believe I still remember them out there a little bit in, in, in some of the dealers and things like that. Um, they were so pretty the, popular in the eighties and nineties, I think, weren't they? Um, the, their primary popularity was really in the 60s and the 70s. Hmm. Uh, I th- to your point, they certainly were out there and they were a popular brand in, of course, the 80s and 90s. Uh, I can just tell you from my, uh, from my experience uh, in the industry at that time, it wasn't a brand that was top of mind like somebody like a, Say, for example, a Boston Acoustics or Polk Audio or somebody like that at that time. JBL, of course, as well. Infinity, yeah. Uh, Polk and uh, Boston got got sucked into the Sound United uh, umbrella. So right. I'm not sure what's uh, in store for them. Sound I was, actually it was funny because my, my roommate, being a Bowers guy, was told we were talking about Bowers last night. And he's like, and he's like, um, and then we were talking about another brand. I'm like, yeah, I think Sound United owns all, all those. And I go go through the list of companies, and I'm like, good lord, they, right. they own half of Hi-Fi, you know. Right. But um, but I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad KLH uh, people like KLH Clips stuff like that have have maintained their independent ownership and, and are doing their own thing. And, and don't have to answer to a to a, a higher umbrella of, of power and you it just gives you guys more creative control at the end of the day and at the end of the day it gives you creative control over new products over new technologies to take risks you know a lot of these new companies don't want to take risks they want to stick with what they know sells and works and just move forward with that nothing wrong with that because if you're putting out a great product nothing wrong with that because I mean at the end of the day a company's job is to make money however, Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's most, you know, most people that work at KLH, they're industry veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're all in different, you know, areas of the industry, sales, finance, product development, engineering, and so forth. Uh, but we all respect each other. Just the simple fact that we've been in the industry for a long time, you know, and of course, while, while you've never seen it all, I feel like I've seen it all. Um, and, um, and so, you know, we, you know, we feel like we have a good grasp mm-hmm. of, you know, what, what the state of the industry is today in loudspeakers and, and where it's headed. Um, and with that vision, you know, you kind of have to take into account of, well, how, how is KLH knowing that's the future, how is KLH going to fit into that and how, how that drives your product development efforts and the products that you, that you're going to introduce in the future. Right. Um, that's very important. That is incredibly important. Um, any plans to uh, go to, uh, any shows this year? I know, I know we're, we're in dire straits right now with, mm-hmm. with, 
with uh, the current, uh, you know, medical climate. But uh, I'm not allowed to say that word on, on YouTube. Otherwise, they, uh, <laughs> they they swing the hammer. But, um, you, you know, I, I know we're, we're in tough times right now, but I'm aware that there's a couple there's a couple shows that are that are considering reopening you know under the contingency that things get better uh-huh. uh have you guys like talked to anybody or signed up for any shows or anything well first i was unaware of that okay but i really probably wouldn't be the first person that would know about something like that anyway mm-hmm. um so I, yeah my my answer simply is well I, I can't honestly i don't know at this point i'm really not sure i'm anxious to get back um to some shows again yeah uh, just if nothing else, just just with the feeling of just getting back to normal, <laughs> if nothing yeah. else, right? Um, I think we're getting close. We're getting closer. It, we're getting closer. It, it feels like it. It really does, but mm-hmm. I, I don't want to speak too soon. Right. You're right, because who knows what could happen. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I hope we do get to see at least one or two shows this year because last year last year was a shame because uh, I, I live in Denver. Well, I live outside of Denver, and – uh, it was Cedia's second year for Denver. So they, they canceled of course, but that was kind of a bummer. Cause I'm like, Cedia was here. Luckily I went in, in, in 2019, I went to Cedia and uh, Rocky mountain audio fest. Cause that was my first year here in Colorado. And that was so cool to have those two shows back to back. And, um, I wanted more. I was, I was hooked. You know, I was hooked and I wanted it to go to Exponent. I want to go to all these shows, but it happened. You know, the what happened last year happened and uh, they had to cancel. And it was unfortunate because, you know, I feel that it was unfortunate for the public, but it was actually, I think, an advantage for the companies because it allowed them. Not only has a lot of hi-fi companies done really well during yeah. this time, yep. Um they it, it's it's allowing them it's giving them some time and giving them that pause to create new products to to you know innovate do r d do marketing uh you know get get the public aware of what they're doing and i i think it it was i, I know it sucks to say this but i think it, it this was a good thing for for the company wise you know company wise and to grow you, you know you are you're right because it actually gave a lot of companies a lot of time to kind of kind of reevaluate things because mm-hmm. you, know you know how it is. You kind of get wrapped up in the kind of day to day business of of doing business, right? Right. And it just seems to just kind of go automatically, you know. And um, you know, and, and once all this kind of hit, you know, we we're all kind of just starstruck a little bit, not knowing exactly what to do and kind of what the future held. You know, and I think we all just kind of, kind of just kind of went into a, immediately kind of went into a wait and see attitude, mm-hmm. um, you know, and after about six or eight weeks or so, it kind of, Oh, okay. Well this, you know, maybe this isn't so bad. And, and it's like you say, the, the industry actually kind of picked up as a result of all this. And it did. who would have forecast that? <laughs> Nobody. Right. I mean, people, people got bored at home and, and well, the cool thing too about, about you is if, if you were, I, I'm not sure what part of the world you live in, but, or what part of the country, but uh, if, you know, if you were in one of those parts where they, they, they did a mandatory quarantine, um, you're like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and design speakers all day then, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that's definitely, uh, well, that is funny, Mike, because 
I'm not so sure it was so much design loudspeakers as much as it was, uh, you know, just kind of give you kind of a quick, you know, history of what happened. We were well into the development of the Model 5 uh, going into the spring of last year. Okay. And uh, when this all hit, it kind of, for for about a period of time, I'd say about seven or eight weeks, it kind of put all our product development efforts on hold or so, and which basically meant I didn't have a lot to do. However, I went back to all the textbooks and everything that we had done on the product so far, I basically reevaluated everything. It was kind of just going back to what I was saying earlier. You know, I was kind of learning as I was going along to kind of, you know, taking my understanding of everything I knew and kind of retesting that as applied to, you know, traditional direct radiator loudspeakers and acoustic suspension. And that's kind of out of all that is kind of where I kind of began to uncover uh, a lot of the things uh, and began to realize, uh, again, some of the advantages of that of an acoustic suspension design that I had never really appreciated before. And I don't think a lot of that would have come out without the lockdown, to tell you the truth, which I, I find so interesting. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, I'll be honest, I, uh, before the lockdown, I didn't, uh, I wasn't really doing much of, of, of YouTube. I had already started the Instagram channel, the Audio Architects Instagram uh-huh. channel. And that was growing and that was doing really well. But I, I think it was in... I think it was in March that my good friend told me, Hey, you should start a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And I I never had thought, I mean, I I thought about it, but I was never comfortable with it because I was always weird in front of the camera, you know, Uh come to find out I'm okay at it. Uh But (laughs) you know, that, that pause right there, that, that those, you know, March, April, May, June, July, August, those, those six, seven months allowed me to grow my YouTube channel and focus a hundred percent on the YouTube channel and on the social media and on this, all the, all this other stuff. And without being, you know, distracted with, with, uh, with anything else, you know? So I, I'm sorry, so, yeah. it was a win for me. you know. Yeah, so, so there you go. I mean, things just came out of all this that, you know, who would have, you know, who would have guessed? Yeah. You know, and I think you're exactly right. I mean, it just, I don't know. It just seems from my perspective that YouTube, for example, is such a great medium for, you know, for loudspeaker and everything. And really, if you ask me, I, I think that's where a lot of the passion exists today. Right. In, in, in audio in general, sure. um, you know, it, you know, I, you know, it, it seems to be lost a little bit on the retail level these days. Uh, so you do see it on the YouTube channels, of course, on Instagram and a lot of other social media uh, but it seems like that's where it's at today. And, 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 and you guys do a great job of that. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's been exciting because I've done a little bit of, a little bit of everything on my YouTube channel. I've done some, uh, some how to's, some tutorials, uh, a lot of product review. I've been, I've been really happy actually working with a lot of, uh, of these companies that have, you know, supported my channel and supported my growth. Um, and now it it just seems it's funny because uh, a lot of people were telling me just wait until you hit your thousand subscribers and you're gonna you're gonna see that that crazy growth and it, it, it's like clockwork. Once I hit my thousand in November, 
I'm almost at 2000 now. It's just growing and growing and growing because I guess YouTube has their algorithms and all that, that they, they wait, they wait and see if you're serious and then they'll be like, okay, let's put this guy on. <laughs> right. You got to sweat equity into this now. Yeah, and, yeah. Back. <laughs> and it's funny to see my progression too. And it's not only in, in, in what I was doing, but in production value too, because when I first started, it was with a really old DSLR, a Nikon D90, <laughs> barely do video, you know, and it, 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 but I tried my best and I was like, okay, I, I liked it. So then, you know, I invested more and more and more money into, into, to, into, you know, my, my gear, right. man, it, it's been, it's been quite the adventure, but at the end of the day, I, where I like creating value is by doing things like this, where I get to talk to someone that's part of the the heart of the business, you know, because people like to hear this stuff. People like to hear, people like to see the face of companies. People like to hear what they have to say, because a lot of times people miss that, you know, they, they order something on Amazon, they get it, they use it, but they don't know who made it. They don't know who, who designed it, who, right. who took, you know, blood, sweat and tears to, to truly, bring it to market they don't know but now i'm giving i'm allowing them to have a a, a platform to do that and i i think uh I, i've been enjoying that so much because i myself am learning so much about not only you guys but the, the companies and the 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 history of it all you know right. yeah <laughs> so, yeah i mean it's 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 a fun industry i mean it it should be a fun industry i mean you're listening to loudspeakers <laughs> right um it's a small so, community. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's a small community. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There's everybody. Have you noticed that? Oh, uh, well, yeah. Well, I just yeah. said Mark and you knew exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and, yeah, and just over the course of time, you know, uh, you know, I've worked with people that are, of course, now at, at JBL and are still good friends with mine, for example. Um, uh, um, um, Martin Logan, um, a variety paradigm, uh, several different places where I've just uh, uh, had worked with them at one time or another, or, or, or had just gotten to know them. So yes, you're, you're exactly right. It's a small industry. We, for the most part, uh, a lot of us know each other, um, and um, uh, uh, it's just yeah, you know, it's, it's all people that are interested in sort of the same thing, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and it's it's cool getting to know all you guys. Honestly, it's it's every time I do one of these uh, one of these episodes, I I really enjoy it because it's it's like I made a new friend, you know, <laughs> I made a new friend in the industry. So um, it, it's it's advantageous because, like I said, it, it you guys are always more than welcome to do a live stream with me or or or, or whatever. Or if you have a new product coming out, I would love to have you guys on to 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 share it with the world because. I mean, everybody's consuming everything online now, you know, nobody watches commercials. Nobody reads absolute sound anymore. God bless their bless, bless all these publications hearts, but not a lot of people are reading, you know, physical, physical publications, physical medias kind of making its way out. Everything's like digital. Gimme, 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 you know, like in, in your face, in your face, in your face. So, you know, it, it, that's the consumption now is, is all, digital it's a digital world so mm -hmm. by doing stuff like this and and and, and going to show, shows are still cool people still go to those and, and that's the, i think that's the best way to introduce a product because people get to listen to it and experience it you know exactly. absolutely 
because we don't have a lot of uh, mom and pop, uh, you know, brick and mortar hi-fi stores anymore. I mean, there's there's a few here in Denver. There's like Listen Up and Soundings and stuff like that, but the, those are few and far between, you know. And those don't carry every every brand. You know, they just carry the brands that they could fit in their showroom. Um, so that's why I think shows are very important. It's because it, you get to you get to wow your customer right then and there. You know, right? Yes, absolutely. But. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. And like I said, you're all always- do, do this anytime. I can talk about loudspeakers all day. We can we can go down lots of rabbit holes. I mean, it's it's going to be cool to see KLH come back again, though. It's it's going to be a good ride. <laughs> it's, oh, it's going to be great, man. Yeah. I think you got a you guys got a good team. Um, your marketing's on point. Your social media is on point. Um, and it, it it's just going forward. So, but yeah, man, thanks for joining me again. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you got a lot of uh, in, innovation to do. <laughs> so um, thanks again. And thanks everybody for watching. I'm going to go ahead and put in the description below uh, all the details for uh, KLH's new stuff. Thanks again, guys, for joining us. We'll see you soon.